Chapter Sixteen of the Man Who Fell Through the Earth by Carolyn Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Snowflake. I looked at the design with interest, but without at first grasping its true significance. Pennywise looked at it aghast. Where did it come from? He exclaimed. It's always been there, said Zizi. I mean, I saw it there one day when I was in this room with Mr. Hudson. I, I, didn't know you'd ever been here, Zizi. And why smiled at the earnest little face. Yes, I was, and I happened to move the telephone, and under it was that drawing. I didn't think anything about it, as evidence, but I looked at it, cause it was so pretty, and I put the telephone back over it again. But I searched this room, and Wise looked mystified. You probably didn't lift the telephone then, Zizi returned shaking her elfin head while a deep sorrow showed in her black eyes i don't believe i did wise mused thinking back i did pick up most of the desk fittings to examine them but i suppose i didn't take hold of the telephone at all course not zizi was always ready to defend wise's actions how could you know there was a picture under it but oh penny what does it mean wait let's get at it carefully on the face of it, it would seem as if Case Rivers must have drawn this figure of a snow crystal. Everybody has some peculiar habit, especially lots of people have a habit of drawing some particular thing when waiting at a telephone. I've asked half a dozen men of late, and everyone says he scribbles words or draws some crude combination of lines, but each one says he always does the same thing, whatever it may be. Now, I imagine, very few men draw snow crystals, and fewer still draw them with this degree of perfection. Again, granting they did, would any other individual draw this identical design with this accuracy of drawing that Case Rivers drew on the desk blotter at your house, Bryce? I should say it would be impossible that anyone else could have done it, I replied honestly, though I began to see where our investigation was leading us. It is impossible, declared Wise. Two men might draw snow crystals, but they would not both choose this particular one. It's exactly the same, Zizi murmured, for I brought Mr. Bryce's with me. Here it is. Calmly the girl took from her little handbag a piece torn from my desk blotter. It held the drawing done by Rivers while he was waiting for his telephone call, and it was the precise duplicate of the figure drawn on the blotter of Amos Gately's mahogany desk. The same pencil, or, rather, the same hand drew those two, Wise said, positively, and I could not contradict this. Snow crystals are said by scientists to show hundreds of different shapes, and almost any illustrated dictionary or textbook of natural science shows several specimens. This one we are looking at was of simple but beautiful design, and I felt sure Rivers had copied it from some picture, as one can rarely keep a real snowflake long enough to copy its form. Anyway, it was stretching the law of coincidence a little too far to believe that two men would idly draw the same form on a desk blotter while telephoning. Of course, this sketch on Amos Gately's desk may not have been made while the artist's other hand held the telephone receiver, but its juxtaposition to the instrument indicated that it was. Of course, 
Mr. Rivers drew this, Zizi declared, her little head bobbing as she turned her black eyes from one of us to the other. She wore a small turban made entirely of red feathers, soft breast feathers of some tropical bird, I suppose. The hat set jauntily on her sleek black hair, and the motions of her head were so quick and bird-like that she gave me a fleeting remembrance of the human birds I saw in the play of Chanticleer. Of course he did, assessed Wise very gravely, and now we must go on. Granting for the moment that Case Rivers, as we call him, drew this little sketch, he must have been in this office the day of Amos Gately's murder, for I have been told that the blotter on this desk was changed every day, and any marks or blots now on it were therefore made on that day. If he did it, then, or rather, when he did it, he was telephoning to somebody. Well, put in Zizi, perhaps, he was just sitting here talking to Mr. Gately. Maybe he might draw those things when he just sits idly as well as when he telephones. Yes, you're right. Well, at any rate, he must have been sitting here opposite Mr. Gately on that very day, and I opine he was telephoning. But that makes no difference now. Now, if he was here in this office on that day, what was he here for, and who is he? He is the murderer, said Zizi, but she spoke as if she were a machine. The words seemed to come from her lips without her own volition. Her voice was wooden, mechanical, and her eyes had a faraway, vacant gaze. I don't know who he is, but he is the man who shot Mr. Gately. Oh, come now, Zizi, Wise shook her gently. Wake up. Don't jump at conclusions. He may be the most innocent man in New York. He may have been in here calling on Gately early in the day. And his errand may have been of the most casual sort. He may have had caused a telephone and as he sat waiting for his call, he sketched the snowflake pattern, which is his habit when waiting. But that he was here that day is a positive fact, to my mind. Now, it is for us to find out what he was here for and who he is. I don't favor going to him and asking him point-blank. That peculiar phase of amnesia from which he is suffering is a precarious matter to deal with. A sudden shock might bring back his memory, or it might... Adela's brain, completed CZ. All right, oh, most wise guy. But when you do find out the truth, it will be that Case Rivers, in his right mind and in his own proper person, killed Mr. Gately. Hush up, Z. If you have such a fearful hunch, keep it to yourself. I'm not going to believe that unless I have to. It has always been my conviction that Rivers is or was a worthwhile man. I'm sure he was of importance in some line, some big line. Moreover, I believe his yarn about falling through the earth. You do, I cried in amazement. You stand for that. You believe he fell into the globe at Canada or some northern country and fell out again in New York City? Not quite that, and Wise smiled. But I believe he had some mighty strange experience, of which his tale is a pretty fair description, if not entirely the literal truth such as why suppose he fell down a mine shaft in canada suppose that knocked out his memory then suppose he was rescued and sent to new york for treatment say at some private hospital or sanitarium then suppose he escaped and still loony threw himself into the east river oh i don't know only there are lots of ways that he could have that notion about his fall through the earth 
and have something real to base it on. Gammon and spinach, I remarked, my patience exhausted. The man had a blow or a fall or something that jarred his memory, but his falling through the earth idea is a hallucination, pure and simple. However, that doesn't matter. Now we must follow this new trail and see if we can get a line on his personality. He can't tell us what he was here for if he doesn't remember that he was here. Perhaps he does remember why spoke musingly. Nixie and Zizi's saucy head nodded positively. Mr. Rivers is sincere now, whatever he was before. He doesn't remember shooting Mr. Gately. Stop that, Zizi. Wise spoke more sharply than I had ever heard him. I forbid you to assume that Rivers is the murderer. You are absurd. But I've got a hunch. Zizi's black eyes stared fixedly at Wise, and... Keep your hunch to yourself. I told you that before. Now hush up. Not at all abashed, Zizi made a most wicked little moo at him, but she said no more just then. We have a new direction in which to look, though, Wise went on, and we must get about it. You remember we found a hatpin here that led us to Sadie, the link, as straight as a signboard could have done. Yes, scoffed Zizi, with the help of Nora and her powder paper, and Jenny and her tattle-tongue. All right, Wise was unperturbed. We got her all the same. Now perhaps the man who fell through the earth also left some indicative clues. Let's look around. He couldn't leave anything more indicative than the drawing on the blotter, persisted Zizi. He drew on Mr. Bryce's blotter today, and he drew on this blotter of Mr. Gately's the day Mr. Gately was killed. That much is certain. So it is, Zizi, agreed Wise, but nothing further is certain as yet. But we may find something more. As he talked, the detective rummaged in the desk drawers. He pulled out the packet of papers that had interested him before. I'd like to read these, he said. You see, they're dated in chronological order, and they must mean something. It's where they came from, said Zizi, with an air of wisdom. You see, Waldorf means a certain message in their code book, and St. Regis means another. Built more paper means another, and so on. Right you are, as usual, Wise said, so approvingly that Zizi smiled all over her queer little countenance. Part of the Lynx spy business, she went on, and I cried out in denial. Oh, come off, Mr. Bryce, she said. You may as well admit, first at last, that you know Mr. Gately was mixed up in the spy racket. I don't know yet just how deeply or how knowingly. You mean, I caught at the straw, that he was a go-between, but didn't know it? I thought that at first, said Wise. I hoped it was so. That, of course, would argue that he was infatuated with Sadie, and she wound him round her finger and used him to further her schemes, while he himself was innocent. But the theory, though a pretty one, won't work. Gately wasn't quite gullible enough for that, and, too, he is more deeply concerned in it all than we know. Yes, I agree, these letters, I mean, these blank sheets, were sent to him by mail. One came the day after he died. I know it, and, as Zizi says, they mean something definite in accordance with a prepared code. For instance, a sheet of Hotel Gotham paper, dated December 10th, might mean that a certain transport indicated in the code book by that hotel, was the sale on that date. 
That's a simple child's play explanation, said Zizi, but it may be the right one. Certainly, Wise assented. There may be other explanations and more complicated ones, but it doesn't matter now. The receipt of these letters, blank letters, was of secret value to Gately and proves him to have been pretty deeply mixed up in it all. But what about Mr. Rivers? spoke up Zizi. Where does he come in? It looks black, Wise declared. He was here that day secretly. That is, he didn't come in at Jenny's door. She doesn't recognize him, I asked her. Therefore he came in by one of these other doors, or up in the secret elevator. In either case, he didn't want his visit known. So he is a wrongdoer with Gately, and probably with Rodman. They're all tarred with the same brush. The trail of the spy serpent is all over them. No, cried Zizi, and her face was stormy. My nice Mr. Rivers isn't a spy. He hasn't anything to do with that spy matter. Why, I exclaimed, you said he was a murderer. Well, I'd rather be a murderer than a spy. Her eyes snapped, and her whole thin little body quivered with indignation. A murder is a decent crime compared to spy work. Oh, my nice Mr. Rivers. She broke down and cried convulsively. Let her alone, said Wise, not unkindly, after a brief glance at the shaking little figure. She's always better for a crying spell. It clears her atmosphere. Now, Bryce, let's get busy. As Easy says, you must admit that there's no doubt that Amos Gately was pretty deeply into the game. Even if he was unduly friendly with Sadie Kent, it was indubitably through and because of their dealings together in the stolen telegram business. The way I see it, it is that Sadie sold her intercepted messages to the highest bidder. This was George Rodman, but above him was Amos Gately. Oh, don't look so incredulous. It isn't the first time a bank president has gone wrong on the side. Gately never was unfaithful to his office. He never misappropriated funds or anything of that sort. But for some reason or other, whether money, gain, or hope of other reward, did he betray his country. I couldn't deny it, or rather, I could deny it, but only because of my still unshattered faith in Amos Gately. I could bring no proof of my denial. But, I said musingly, we haven't yet proved Gately mixed up in. What, cried Wise, isn't this enough proof? These blank letters, for that's what they are. The proved visit here of Sadie, the link, and the fact that Gately was shot by someone with no known reason. All that goes to show that the murderer had some secret motive, some unknown cause for getting Gately out of the way. I see it, as you put it, I said, but I will not believe Amos Gately a spy, or conniving at spy business until I have to. I shall continue to believe he was a tool, an innocent tool, of the Rodman and Sadie Kent combination. All right, Bryce, keep your faith as long as you can, but I tell you, you'll soon have to admit that I'm right. Gately, as we all know, was a peculiar man. He had few friends, he had little or no social life, and he did have secret callers and a secret mode of entrance and exit from his offices. All that shows something to hide. It is unexplainable for a man who has nothing to conceal. All right, Wise, I said finally. I suppose you are right. But still, we must continue our search for the murderer. We don't seem to progress much in that matter. Not yet, but soon, Wise said optimistically. 
The axe is laid at the root of the tree. We are on the right track. Meaning Case Rivers, I cried in alarm. Meaning Case Rivers, perhaps, he returned. I'm not as sure as Zizi is that the evidence points to him as the murderer. But we must conclude that he was in the room the day of the murder. And what else could he have been here for? What else, I stormed? Dozens of things, hundreds of things. Why, man alive, every person who set foot in this room on that day didn't necessarily kill Amos Gately. Every person who set foot in this room on that day is his potential murderer, Wise returned calmly. Every person must be suspected, or at least investigated. Well, I said, after realizing that he spoke truly, you investigate the question of Rivers' visit here that day. I don't want to do that, but I'm going down to headquarters now, and perhaps I'll dig up something of importance. And I did. A visit to the chief told me the interesting tale of the further discoveries of Sadie Kent's industries. It seems that federal agents had found a complete and powerful wireless station in a cottage at Southeast Beach, fairly popular summer resort. The cottage was seemingly untenanted, but some unexplained wires which ran along the rafters of an adjoining house led to the discovery of the auxiliary wireless station. Experts had broken into the locked house and had found the cleverly concealed keyboard of a wireless apparatus. Further search had disclosed the whole thing, and moreover had brought out the fact that the adjoining cottage was occupied by two apparently innocent old people who were really in the employ of Sadie Kent. The link was a person of importance, and though she passed for a mere telegraph operator, she was one of the most important links in the German spy system in the United States. In the room where the wireless apparatus was found, there were also quantities of letter paper from the various hotels of New York City. These sheets, abstracted from the writing rooms of the hotels, were the code system used in forwarding the stolen intelligence. It all hung together, and the bunch of those hotel papers found in Gately's desk, and especially the fact that one reached his address the day after his demise proved, beyond all doubt, his implication in the despicable business. Now, I thought, to what extent, or in what way, was Case Rivers concerned? Surely the man had been in Gately's office on the fatal day. I had no idea that he had killed the banker. That was only Zizi's foolishness. But he had certainly been there. It came to me suddenly that if Rivers could be taken again to the Gately offices, the rooms, the associations might possibly bring back his lost memory and let him reinstate himself in his real personality. To be sure, this might prove him the murderer, but if so, it would only be the course of justice, and on the other hand, if it explained his innocent or casual call on Gately, that, too, was what the man deserved. And so I went at once to see Rivers. I found him in his rooms, the ones he had taken while he was to assist Wise in his work, and he greeted me cordially. The plot thickens, he said, as I told him of Sadie's wireless station. I knew the girl was a sly one. She's one of the most important people in the big spy web. She is one of their spiders, who spin a pretty web and attract gullible flies. Amos Gately fell for her charms, you know. Bryce, she is a siren, and somehow she lured him into the web she so deftly spun. To my mind, Gately was a good, upright citizen, 
who fell for a woman's wiles. I'm not sure about this. It may be he was mixed up in the spy work before Sadie came on the scene, but I'm certain she was accessory before, during, or after the fact. Accessory to his murder, I asked. Not necessarily, but strongly accessory to his wrongdoing in the matter of treason. I think she, for a time, worked gately through Rodman, but latterly she grew bolder or found she could do more by personal visits, and she came and went by the secret elevator, pretty much as she chose. I hate to have Miss Rayner know this, I said, with a covert glance at Rivers to see how he took the remark. So do I, he said, frankly, as a boy. I may as well tell you, Bryce, that I love that girl. She is, to me, the very crown of womanhood. I have worshipped her from the first moment I saw her. But understand, I have no hopes, no aspirations. I shall never offer my hand and my heart to any woman while I have no name to offer. And I shall never have a name. If I haven't yet discovered my own identity, I never can. No, I'm no pessimist, and I know that sometime, some sudden shock might restore my memory all in a minute. And yet I can't bank on such a possibility. I've talked this over with Rankin. He's the doctor who's following up my case time and again. He says that a sudden and very forcible shock is needed to restore my memory, and that it may come and it may not. He says it can't be forced or brought about knowingly. It will have to be a coincidence, a happening that will jar the inert cells of my brain, or something like that. I don't remember the scientific terms. Rivers passed his hand wearily across his forehead. I was in a quandary. I had gone to see the man with full purpose of luring him to Gately's office and confronting him with a sketched snowflake on the blotting pad. Now, since he had confided to me his love for Olive Rayner, I shrank from doing anything that might prove him to be Amos Gately's murderer, for I was fond of Miss Rayner in a deeply respectful and unpresumptuous fashion and I had noticed several things of late that made me feel pretty sure that her friendship for Rivers was true and deep, if indeed it were not something more than friendship. This, to be sure, would argue but a fickle loyalty to the memory of Avery Manning. But as Nora and I agreed, when talking it over, Miss Rayner had never shown any desperate grief at Manning's disappearance, at least not more than the loss of a casual friend might arouse but I knew where my duty lay. And so I said, Rivers, I wish you'd go around to Mr. Gately's office with me. Do you think that if you were there, and you never have been, you might chance upon some clue that has escaped the notice of Wise or Hudson or myself? Right-o, he said. I've thought myself I'd like to go there, not, as you politely suggest, to find overlooked clues, but just as a matter of general interest. I'm out, you know, to find the murderer and also to trace the vanished Amory Manning. End of chapter 16